This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is July 18th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Hi, good day. My name is John Booty, and I was at Hofstra from 1989 to 1992. And what shows did you work on at the radio station? Shows I worked on were quite a bit. I did a lot of studio engineering for a lot of shows, you know, starting off with the weekend shows. I ended up being a studio engineer for Good Morning Hofstra for a couple of years and had a semi-regular jazz gig and a rock, rock and roll show gig as well. Um, but I worked on a lot of the weekend shows and progressed through the weekends and quite a few of the weekday shows as well. Did you record or engineer any of like the public affairs shows? Um, only on the weekends. You know, I, I think I started with like Souvenir d'Italia mm-hmm. or the Italian show and a couple of the, the Sunday shows, you know, Polka with Baja and the occasional Irish country and Tony Jackson's Irish show, but not too much on a regular basis and public affairs only as needed. Okay. Okay. Uh, Did you have any titles or positions of management at the station? My senior year, I was remote operations chief. Okay. Um, When you were on the air, did you use your own name or did you have any nicknames or aliases? I had a few nicknames, but they were all off the air. So I primarily just used my regular John Booty as my on-air name. Okay, very good. Um, So what was it that first brought you to the radio station? So uh, actually, this might surprise some people. I wanted to be an on-air personality. Um, I knew I wanted to get into radio when I was in high school. I grew up listening to the radio. I did the stereotypical like recording songs off the radio. And um, I really, I really got into radio as a kid. I, there's just some personalities that just was so meaningful to me listening to uh, in New Hampshire growing up with, you know, Tom Bergeron had a uh, weeknight daily weeknight show on WHEB in Portsmouth and his personality just like, sparked my imagination as a kid and then growing up i i love sports so i wasn't very good at sports so i was like well i'm really enjoying the personalities i see on local tv shows or local um like boston newscasts and i was like man if i can't be in sports as a player what more fun would it be than to actually be like a broadcaster And so I really, you know, the personalities out of Boston on TV, like Bob O'Bell and even nationally, Bob Costas, I was like, those are the guys, they look like they're having a blast. Um, I don't think there's a lot of hard work that goes into it other than, you know, watching sports, which to me, it was like, that's, that's a dream. I, uh, Mm -hmm. so I, I went to Hofstra kind of in this pre-internet age, I kind of based Hofstra on the brochures I got as a kid at high school. You know, you, 
I don't know if they still do, but you get brochures when you're in high school, kind of of different colleges promoting their college. And I got like bulletins and stuff from different colleges. And I didn't want to stay in New Hampshire. I knew that. I knew that once I got out of high school, I wanted to go somewhere else for high school. I was like, okay. Uh, I went to Dover High, which is in a town that um, neighbors the town I grew up in. And I was like, I'm kind of like, I want to move on from this high school. And I don't want to go to school in New Hampshire, University of New Hampshire, a great school, has a great radio station. Mm-hmm. And it's 20 minutes down the road. And I was just like, I just want to, they didn't have a a college course, per se, a college track of engine of learning how to be a broadcaster and so like the brochures i got out of some of them out of boston and vermont and new york and i just went through them all and i was like okay blank college has a radio program with radio degree i can get a degree in communication arts with a with a major in radio i was like check that's the school i want to look into and so Hmm. i applied to like five schools um, including the University of New Hampshire and, you know, a couple in Boston, um, one in upstate New York, right next to Syracuse and Hofstra. And in, I don't know how this works out, but in high school, the guidance counselor like set up college, um, not interviews, but like orientations and a lady from Hofstra. And again, I don't know if this lady represented a bunch of schools but she came in and she was like, hey, you know, this is the class schedule. This is the schedule of colleges coming this week if you want to meet with this representative. And one of them was Hofstra. And I got a thing in the mail from Hofstra. And I was like, hey, let me check it out. And I talked to the lady and she actually arranged. She's like, you know, we have an ambassador program where you can go and actually visit Hofstra. And um, I did. Uh, me and another um, Dover High um, grad Mark Harbor, we took the Greyhound out of Portsmouth mm-hmm. through a couple of different transfers between uh, Portsmouth and Connecticut and Boston, just transferring to New York City and took the Greyhound to Hempstead and took the big old Blue Beetle bus to Hofstra. And we spent a, a, a night in Hofstra and got looking around and, you know, it was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And, um, so that's what got me geared towards Hofstra. Like I wanted to to be in broadcasting. So that's how I ended up choosing Hofstra out of the few other schools that I applied to. So on that first visit, you were you were still in high school and I guess they gave you a tour of the campus. Did you get to see the radio station? I actually never did. I I was so nervous and it was such a kind of a laid back type of it was like, yep. Here we go. That's this is the Ratskeller. This is where I eat. And the ambassador would show us the dorms. And then because we arrived in the afternoon, you know, we we did a tour of Hofstra campus. And then we did a much more extensive tour of the the residence, the the different halls and the different places where the kids lived. But uh, I I had it in the back of my mind, but I never did because I just wanted to take in the college experience and see if this was an actual environment that I wanted to to actually go to. And I was like, this is great. We, 
we ate with this ambassador. We went, I think we ended up going to a party with the ambassador. And then um, the ambassador soon said, okay, this is where you guys are staying. I'm taking off. Do whatever you want. I'll see you tomorrow morning. And we just kind of, uh, Mark and I just walked around. We toured the athletic fields, the outside. Mark was a high school pitcher. And um, we we checked out the ball fields and stuff like that. But no, I... I had it in the back of my mind, but never did check out the radio station. Okay. So so you make the decision to go to Hofstra, and you show up on campus, and when did you get involved in the radio station, and, and what was it like when you got there? Do you remember meeting anybody in particular? Um, so kind of a funny story is that I went to Hofstra, and moved into Alliance Hall and set up my courses. And because of the way the course schedule was and whether or not you could get different courses, my freshman year, I ended up taking a lot of the gen ed courses. And the guys on my floor, the second and third floor of Alliance Hall, we were our own community and we were we're, they're my best friends. And we set up and we did everything together. Mark and I ended up doing everything together. Um, just because we're both from the same, same high school. And the guys on the, the third floor of Alliance Hall, we just became instant family. And so the, the drive for me to get to the radio station took some time. And I remember like my freshman year, I was just like wandering around. I'm like, Okay, I, I figured out what a radio station is. I went down to Memorial Hall in the basement where it was, and the door was closed. And so I kind of like maybe just, you know, a meek knock or something like that, but nobody answered. I never heard anything going on, and I was just like, I don't know. And this kind of it was like, okay, I'll come back later. Closed door, and... <laughs> Again, I was having such a blast with the guys on my dorm floor that I didn't, I was getting my gen eds. I wanted to get as many gen eds as I could done out of the way first. And and actually, I spent most of my time my freshman year. Um, one thing I did do was, I was like, I never kept my door closed. And I just like, <laughs> it was like, I just kind of learned something. I'm like, okay, doors closed to me means something's going on. Somebody's doesn't want to be interrupted type of thing. And I used to leave my dorm door open all the time just to, just as like, okay, hey, if anybody needs anything and they walk by and they, they see me, I'm like, okay, hey, John's door's open. I can bug him for something. And, um, like I said, freshman year, I got a lot of gen eds as I could. I actually had a really good grade point average for once and just focused on getting accumulated or uh, accustomed to the way Hofstra was for me coming from a small school in New Hampshire, five hours away and just getting used to college life, uh, having a blast doing it. And it wasn't until, I'm like I said, I'm struggling to remember if it was the second semester of my freshman year or the spring or the the fall semester of my sophomore year. And I think it was my sophomore year where I went down to the station again, saw the closed door and I was like, okay, I've got, 
some classes out of the way. I've actually signed up for a radio course and communication courses. I need to get involved. I need to get my foot in the door, <laughs> literally. And um, I think I think maybe I knocked or there was a sign up sheet for announcing court uh, announcing um, auditions. And so I put my name on it. And then I I, I kind of want to think I don't know if the timeline works out right, but I think Doug Oaken actually came down the hallway and had to go through the door and kind of was like, hey, what are you doing? I'm just like, I'm just uh, signing up for audio auditions because it's here. And, um, like I never really met anybody that first time. I do remember the audio auditions like going back and it's just so humid in that down in Memorial <laughs> Hall, down by the where the um, auditions. And I was just remember being over and by the, I don't know how familiar people are, but where the, where the multi-track lounge was, the multi-track on air was where kind of where we were staged and two-track okay. was where we actually, like, I don't remember, I honestly don't remember any of these people. I was just in line with a bunch of people it was hot and humid in the, in the room and then just going into two track and like a bright studio and just like a, a music stand set up. And somebody said, read what's on the paper. And I was like, um, how, like, like, I was like, like, what, what do you want? How do you want it read? And, and I was just like, just read it. And so I read it and I, I, I want to say, I kind of put on like, Hey everybody, this is, you know, grilled potato salad with mustard seeds and trying to put on this fake radio voice, which I thought somebody might actually want. Right. And I remember I was like running out of breath and I was just like not being able to pronounce words correctly. Um, some things haven't changed, but I was just like, okay. And then I kind of remember like, all right, we'll be in touch. And I was like, okay. <laughs> See you wow. later. Wow. <laughs> um, and I, it had to have been at the same time as an open house. And I'm not sure they would have been at the same time. Um, so that's where I wish my memory was more together. I almost want to say that the auditions happened and then maybe an open house was later in the week or the next night. And maybe somebody that was there at the same time could could send me a message and say, you've got it all wrong, John, or, or hey, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You we we tend to to mix up the the timeline of events, but yeah. that that must have been, uh, uh, like it sound it sound I I felt anxious for you going into that audition because I, in my mind part of it is well they were announcing classes that people took, but then also it also rang something in my head that I had heard stories of at an open house where people just showed up and read some copy and then were either invited to announce in class or something like that. So it rings true in a sense that, Hey, we've just got a lineup of 20, 25 people and they're, ju they're just going to try it out and see what happens. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And again, um, then the open house uh, was kind of a blur for me too. I knew I went into the open house, which had to have been at a separate time. I don't honestly know. And it was full of kids and people and it was an excitement in the air. I could feel because it really seemed like, okay, they've got this working machine going on with these people. And 
I'm not having and each department sort of each show or or genre of music or the sports guy. And I was like in my head, I'm like, hey, I came to Hofstra because I was interested in sports. Let me see what the sports department is like. And, uh, you know, Steve Olin was there and Steve Goldman and Jay Brayman and, and some other uh, upperclassmen and Tony Sibilla might have been there. And I kind of remember just sitting down, kind of minding my own business, not wanting to get in the way, but still figure out what's going on. And I soon kind of find out that, not surprisingly, it was like the upperclassmen had the experience. So they were like, okay, we're going to, you know, so-and-so is going to do this game. We've got these games coming up. We've got this tournament coming up. We're going to, hey, can we do this? Can you do that? Can you do that? And it kind of was like, okay, if I need to find, I need to find a way to get my foot in this department now. I've got mm-hmm. it through the door. Now I've got to find a way to get it in this department. And um, I was like, okay, it seems like all the games and studio time is being taken up by people. And I said to myself, if I want to keep doing this, I got to figure out how to do it. And I was like, hey, let me learn how to engineer because you guys all got the voice talent figured out. But it sounded like they were having problems filling in engineers. I was like, well, that's my way to get into this. And um, yeah, so soon afterwards, I just signed up for like an engineering course somehow. I'm not sure how, but Mm -hmm. it happened. It's probably posted on the on the office door again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you remember anything about training to get on the air or, or the engineering stuff with the sports department? Was there, was it informal? Was it, uh, structured in any way? Or is it just, you know, Hey, figure this out. Let's, let's do this. Um, no, I took the, the non accredited, um, engineering course. And I want to say it was Charlie Cusmano who taught my class. I don't remember anybody else with it in it, mm-hmm. unfortunately, or fortunately, it's just, uh, I think it was Charlie. It might have been Eileen DeCallis. Um, but yeah, I took a, it was over in the two track and I loved it. I, I picked up on it immediately. I was, I was like being able to learn how to seg records and make carts and use the machinery. It was, it was something I really enjoyed. I was like, okay, this is. <clears throat> Now I almost don't care if the sports thing works out because I'm actually really enjoying this engineering course. And then I ended up taking um, COM 21, mm-hmm. which was the audio course with, with Sue. And I enjoyed the heck out of that one um, as well. I don't know if I was any good, but I was having a good time doing that. And then I just started, I don't remember how I got, I was just like, I would find out when this, when the games were. So I would just, somehow I just showed up and just watched, you know, the engineer happen, the studio announcer and the engineer. And because the ball games are taking place off campus, it gives you a little bit more time to observe what's going on in the studio and pick up what's going on and being able to pick the engineer's brain, like, how does that work? Or what do you do, you know, um, and seeing how the, the studio announcer would rip the, the paper off the, um, the news um, type machine. And that to me was was really interesting was how the studio stuff worked and especially the engineering. And then I just really enjoyed, like I said, I just really enjoyed the engineering. 
I never really heard from any of you as far as that audio, the announcing classes go. So that kind of fell by the wayside for me. And I never really like got the, got the motivation to, to push myself that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you, you absorbed a lot of stuff pretty quickly and and uh like you said you were really enjoying it do you remember getting on the air the first time or maybe the first time that you ran the uh the on-air board uh for the live feed not really had to have been a, a football game had to have been a basketball game of some kind um I don't really remember. And I did a lot of little producing stuff too, like Suze's it would have me do. I did a word of the week for the morning show. Oh yeah. Um, my sophomore year. So between the Com twenty one stuff and actually becoming a lot more friendly and, and stepping out of my, my zone, I you know, becoming friends with people at the station through not only just in the sports department, but um, through the different courses the the people that were there at the same time um so as far as like my first engineering i think it was saturday morning or sunday morning with the italian show mm-hmm. and then Irv, going from that to irv simner to to whatever shows there were those were probably i i did that before sports was was those weekend shows okay so you you, you explain your first freshman year that you really got involved with the community in Alliance Hall and you made some really good friends there and you, you spent your time with your door open and uh, hanging out with, with those people there. But now you're working at the radio station. I'm curious, was there a moment or a time where you realized that you're spending a lot more time at the radio station and maybe not seeing those guys in the dorm? Or was when, were you, when did you realize you were going to be spending a lot more time at the radio station? Uh, when I was taking classes and b- hanging out after classes in the office. Um, yeah, the, the guys at Alliance Hall didn't let me forget that I was spending more and more time away. Um, mm-hmm. I had found another another way to, to spend my time. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I it had to have been just, just, like I said, I was producing some stuff for the morning show. I was... I ended up, yeah, just becoming, you know, friends with so many people down there. And I kind of, I remember hanging out during like Karen Jean and Sarah Sterling's jazz show and, and becoming fast friends with, you know, people who were, who were there and um, having a blast doing it, doing the different stuff, uh, you know, just, yeah. And I would just kind of hang out at the station in between classes because it was you know 500 feet closer than it was <laughs> going to the lions hall and then coming back over the unispan um but yeah no those and it, it helped that the the people at the station you know you know eileen and andrew uh andrew smirts and shauna wharton and, and jeff and sue um were so friendly it was a it was the same community that i had in alliance hall it was easily supplemented by the people at at the radio station because they were also friendly and willing to help out and that was kind of the thing that really was it was like how can we help each other out 
um, that really took on a, a deep meaning for me. So it was, it was like, okay, hey, this is, this is a way to learn what I want to do and a way to help other people. It was like a no-brainer. That's awesome. Did you notice any deterioration in your course attendance or in your grades? You put a lot, a lot of effort in that freshman year. Did things change yes. after that? Absolutely. Yeah. No. Um, especially junior and senior year when, um, when I was the studio engineer for Good Morning Hofstra, you know, there may have been a time when I had a 915 class I was supposed to go to. And, you know, the Hofstra, Good Morning Hofstra ended at nine. And, you know, it'd be like, hey, I'd rather, I don't even remember what the class was. So I was like, I can probably skip this one out and have breakfast, bits and bites and bring it to the station and then make my 1010 class or whatever. Right. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, it's it's very funny how I did. I focused on my grades my freshman year and then uh, slowly downward spiral my junior, senior year. But I still passed. I don't know how. But uh, no, it was I, it's all kidding aside. I, I was able to find a balance. And again, just. Uh, it was it was easy to do work at the station as well. It, it's a familiar tale. We go in with best intentions and then the, the radio station draws us in and makes us comfortable. And then those classes, they just don't seem quite as important. Um, exactly. you, mentioned, you mentioned taking Com 21 with, with Sue. What was your, did you have any early interactions with Jeff Krause? Um, not as, yes. I mean, he was, you know, obviously the, the oversaw everything. Jeff was in his in his corner spot there in the office. Uh, I I did um, some, but mostly my interactions with Jeff would have been junior and senior year, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I, he he would call when I would work in a shift or something like that, you know, to give us some cr constructive criticism. Um, it Jeff. I wish I had more interaction with Jeff, um, but at the same time, I treasured the interactions that I did because it was, we had, it seemed like he and I had the same sort of sense of humor. Um, I, you know, I would complain about some of my classes. He talked me off the edge once of uh, my senior year when I was having a, I was having a tough time with an English course. And he was able to help me out with that. He, I took this English course where I, it was, I don't know, it was, it seemed like a layup when I signed up for it. It was movies. What you, we watched movies and we had to write papers based on what we saw. And I, the year, the big project for the end of the class was you had to go watch a movie. You had to do a, you know, so long a paper on the social uh, viewpoints, the political, how the how this movie had different viewpoints with the social political and class systems and, you know, just different, uh, different ways that, you know, this movie was, could be interpreted as far as different deep thoughts into, a, you know, social economic, you know, mm -hmm. stuff. And I... I saw Dances with Wolves and I was like, this is a no brainer. This movie is not only good, but there's this whole 
different class system and this different political, you know, I was like, oh, this is, you know, I just remember, I think I dragged Karen Jean to the movie two or three times and it was just, yeah. I wrote this paper and I thought I did, I thought I did wonderful. And early on in my English classes, I got, you know, A's and B's and good feedback for my, for my English professors early on. And so I write this long paper and I'm putting my heart and soul into it. And I'm just, I'm actually proud of this paper and I submit it and she gives it back and it's a D oh. and I'm like, Ugh. so I'm like, Ugh. so I go up to her after class. I'm like, Hey, adjunct professor, what, uh, how can I improve on this? Cause I really would like a better grade than what's represented here. And she looked at me and she was like, have you ever, do you know what the English language is? She goes, this paper is written like a kindergarten. I'm like, sorry, oh. what? She goes, you don't have the basic understanding of the English language. I'm like, are you serious? And wow. she's like, yeah, you need like a tutor to go through easy concepts of sentence construction. And I was just like floored. I'm like, well, if that's the case, can I have a chance to do it again? And uh, she said, sure, but you're going to have to amaze me. I was like, oh, man. I was like, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to watch Dances of Wolves again. (laughs) It's a three-hour movie. Yeah, at least. And I remember I was working on it at the station for some reason. And I was at the desk right beside Jeff. And I'm just like, hey, Jeff, do you know any English tutors? <laughs> and, he, and he's like, what are you talking about? And I was just like, I just got killed on this, te- this paper. And he was like, you've taken my writing for radio course and you passed it, right? And he's like, I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you've taken English courses before. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, you're writing stuff for the different shows. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, who are you writing for? And I'm like, well, I got this hard-nosed professor. He goes, so just figure out a way to write it for her. Write the way she wants it, not the way that you want, you want per se. Hmm. And I kind of was like, oh, so I got to write for my audience. And he's like, yeah, just, you know, English, you don't need a tutor. If you really want a tutor, you know, I'll find somebody, but write, don't just take the time that you put into the paper, take some time and just try to write it the way she wants it. So when she reads it, she knows what she's reading. And I just kind of remember that. I'm like, okay. And that's, I was like, that's a great lesson is know who the audience is and write for your audience. So um, that was very calming for me. And he had that effect on a lot of people. You know, he had, you know, he's, he was a, he was a great guy. I wish I, I got to know him a little bit more. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, he, uh, he was great in that aspect. And he had those little other ways of doing it too. I was writing stuff for his class and I was um, using a typewriter and kids back in those days, we didn't have the delete button what you typed was what was on the paper and i was trying to write this skit and something fell on a typewriter and so what ended up happening was all a bunch of keys came up and it was at the bottom of the paper i was just like 
I don't have time to rewrite this. So I put quotation marks around it and it suddenly turned from whatever skit was to alien and inhabited dispersion. And Jeff circled it and wrote very funny. And I was just <laughs> like, that's how you, you just got to own your mistakes. Yeah. So he, I, like I said, I wish I knew him a little bit better, um, more. Um, I feel like I'm learning more about him through your, your different podcasts, which is awesome. I'm learning a lot more about the guy and it's reinforcing what I thought I knew about the guy, about how special he was. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that. I, I, I too wish I had known him uh, better than I did. And it's so many of the personal characteristics and the big picture uh, ideas about the radio station are really coming through this. So um, thank you for, for saying that and, and for noticing. And and the big question, when you turn the paper in again, did you do better? Uh, very slightly. I think I got a C minus, <sighs> um, which to me was just like, okay, wow. I'm, you know, learning how to tie it to balloon and letting it go. Just, I, you know what, a C, a C, C minus or whatever it is, it's passing. And I'm, you know, at that point I was like, okay, what do I need to graduate? C minus do it. Perfect. Mm. I, I, I can wash my hands because this is the last paper she's getting for me. And if that's the last impression I have, that's it. That's fine. I'm cool with it. And by that point, you'd built up such a, a, a great career at WRHU, and you had uh, all these great things that you were doing with the morning show and the rock show and, and all the other production stuff you were doing. I, I, I suppose that's, uh, that's a, a minor aspect of your the, – the paper is a minor aspect of your career, whereas the radio stuff was really what turned out to be pretty important. Yeah, the radio stuff was – and again, Jeff helped me like, hey, remember what your focus is here. You know, and it was just like, oh, yeah, I that paper literally means nothing to me after I pass it in and get a, an accept, a semi acceptable grade. I just I was like, OK, I'm not I'm not putting that to music and putting it on the air. I'm just letting it go. But yeah, good. Good point. Hmm. So it, it seems like once you you made your way to the station and got through that audition thing, it seems like both, you know, in terms of radio production and being on the air and being at the station, it seems like you were pretty comfortable uh, there pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to say probably when I came back for my junior year, I was really comfortable. Um, and, it, and again, it, because a lot of things happen outside of Hofstra that make you feel comfortable coming back to Hofstra. And believe it or not, one of them was getting glasses. and I was, it was like, oh, hey, I can see the, the, the chalkboard now. Um, that, I got a lot more confident, you know, doing that little, you know, word of the week. And then somehow, you know, graduating to, hey, can you engineer the morning show um, for uh, Peter Ely and Shauna Wharton? It was like, yeah. So I was, I had stuff coming back that boosted my confidence. And that's exactly what I need as a person is you know, something to boost that confidence to. And so, yeah, I'm going to say when I came back to Offshore for my junior year, I was very comfortable at the station. Hmm. Um, normally I ask this, this last question, uh, it ties into when you first get to Hofstra and start at the station, but obviously those are two different times. 
and you can answer this however you want. Um, obviously, Hofstra Radio came to mean a lot to you, the personal relationships, uh, the time that you spent there, and all that you accomplished. Um, you know, I, I guess either when you got to Hofstra or, or when you actually got to the radio station, what did you hope the station would mean to you, and, and what did it become? Uh, it's, that's you probably hear this a lot. That's not so easy to answer because uh, it's kind of one of those questions you need to you kind of mull in your head. Um, what I wanted was a way for me to figure out if broadcasting was the career path I wanted to go down to. Hmm. In my head, I was like, "Yep, I want to do this. I'm going to Hofstra." And I'm going to, you know, get into broadcasting somehow. And that's what it did for me as well, as well as teach me other life lessons. So, I, yeah, it did exactly what I what I hoped it would. And then so much more, because um, when you when you, you know, when you make the decision whether you wait a little bit longer than like me or you go down when you're still in high school or go down to during an open house or see the, um, the guys doing a remote on the, on the fields outside of Hmm. Memorial, you make that decision and uh, yeah, it was, you make, and it just fulfilled every, every, every thought and dream that I had of, going into Memorial Hall for the first time. John, that's fantastic. Thank you so much um, for sharing these stories and for sharing your time. Um, I really, I, I, I'm not quite sure why, just that really kind of kind of hit me in the gut there in a good way, in a good way. And, and it just really, it just, uh, maybe it's because you're one of the nicest people I've ever met, uh, and, and probably the nicest person at, at Hofstra that I ever met. Um, uh, but just knowing that, uh, that it had just such a profound effect on you. It's just, it just, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. I, I appreciate it. And like you, like you said, uh, the memories come back as you talk about them and, you know, I appreciate you your compliments that means so much to me um but that was also like me paying it forward from like the upperclassmen being nice to me and um made it easier to be nice to the generations that came in while i was at hofstra you know you know you can't i our we overlapped by a year or two and um, it was the upperclassmen being nice to me and, you know, Sue and those, everybody being nice to me, you know, that's just a, a lesson I want to pay forward is being, how can I, okay, they supported me. How can I support somebody else? And, and in the end, that's, that's what it's about, right? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what this community is about. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is fantastic. Thank you, John, so much. Um, I'm, I'm going to twist your arm again. It took a long time to get you to do this. I'm going to twist your <laughs> arm again and, and make you tell me more stories. All right. I'll try to try to come up with some. This was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be, Brian. I, I was nervous coming in, but I really appreciate it. This is great. Thanks. Thank you.